I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. <laughs> but you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship. But now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects. We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey. Okay, this morning I'm here with Michelle Hipwood, uh, currently with Mabel, formerly of Clipped. And Michelle also works with a lot of early stage companies to help them figure out kind of the intersection of finance, operations, HR. Uh, you've been a COO, you've, you're, you've been a CFO, you've run HR. So uh, looking forward to hearing what your advice is for early stage companies. Great. So, you know, you go in and you work with a lot of, a lot of early stage companies. Kind of what are the things that you're looking for to set up for best practices for, you know, finance operations and HR? At the early stage, all those things are just intertwined, right? And so how do you, yeah. how do you think about best practices? Got it. Absolutely. So quite often I go in, I work with a company um, as the CFO, but all ops and HR usually rolls into it because you need to be, you need to be able to multitask. Um, and the things that I'm looking for when I first go in is first I start with how the financials are set up. Um, those are one of the things you just want to set up from day one, do a hard close at the end of the month, track things um, that just help you for each capital raise. You know, you're going to raise more money. You want your due diligence. You want your data room set up. I, you know, there's plenty of inexpensive options. Um, I like to use SmartBolt. There's other ones you can use Box. Just set up a data room, put all your files in there, label them. Um, and as you grow, you just have a practice of having everything set up. And then same for your financials. Like set them up to be gapped because as you communicate with prospective investors or your, even your current board of investors, you want to set up clear, transparent communication about what your revenue is and what your runway is. And so everything is all about managing your cash um, and making sure that everybody knows what's going on and there are no surprises. So I like to go in, look at how the financials are set up, make sure they, they track to gap. Um, quite often, an early stage setup will hire their neighbor to do their bookkeeping and not think much about it. But when you actually dig into it, a lot of times their financials need to be redone in the past, which then sets up false expectations of where you stand with your current investors. Okay. What about best practices around, you know, things that are finance yet HR related uh, benefits and comp plans and other things? What are some of the best practices there? Yeah, absolutely. So you're an early stage company. Most important thing is your team. You need to retain top talent. It's extremely important because the time it takes to recruit and look for a new employee and hire them and train them up is just time lost. You're a startup, you need to move fast. You have expectations from investors you need to, you need to hit. And every day that you spend not retaining an employee or at least your top talent um, is time lost. And so it's really easy to retain key employees if you're transparent, you're, you communicate well, you set up good benefits, you set up strict you know, policies about comp plans and where things stand. And it's best practice to set it up from day one, to decide what kind of company you wanna be, 
Do you want to be one that pays above market? Do you want to pay one that pays below market and have, have high equity? Um, but to be consistent and transparent so everybody knows. More often than not, you can always recruit employees. You can retain people if they believe in your vision and they believe that you're doing what's best for them. Um, and part of that is setting up benefits. Like as from the finance side, I'm always looking at your benefits. I'm always looking at benefits and trying to make sure we manage um, from a cash perspective. But on the same hand, you want to help retain employees because benefits are important. Um, we all need to use them and they are costly for a company and they're costly for employee. Um, so you've got to think through how you set them up best. Quite often you can set up a really good benefit package from day one, but know in advance each year they're going to go up in costs. So you're going to want to augment that plan um, slightly, but yet not shock your employees and say, I'm going to switch to a different carrier. Or I'm going to switch to a different deductible plan. And so you set it up really well from day one. You can mitigate some of those changes as you go by adding new features like an HRA or something that maintains a lower deductible cost for your employees um, and helps you manage your budget as well. So just thinking ahead, um, making sure you set things up. Many things actually don't cost you a lot of money. You go to a broker, they'll price everything out for you and you don't pay for it. Adding um, flexible spending accounts does nothing really for your bottom line. It's super inexpensive, but goes a long way to retaining your employees and making them feel like okay, these things I don't have to worry about because my company set it up for me and I can just like work and focus on my, my what I'm contributing to the entity. How do you find a bene benefits consultant? I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, there's two different paths. You can, you can plenty of startup groups offer some. Um, I've used different ones in the past. Um, and the other option you can, you know, once you get a referral, the other option is to go and look at groups like Gusto or any of the, the ones that are integrated into your payroll system. Um, it's super easy to get one through Augusta or Paylocity or whoever else. And they integrate it into your payroll system because that's like one less thing. So sometimes if you go to a broker, you're going to get lots of price variations um, and you'll have lots of flexibility to how you manage it, but you need someone like an outsourced bookkeeper to bookkeep those entries. Um, if you go the gusto route and you integrate it, it's less labor intensive from a implementation standpoint, um, from an execution on a monthly basis, because it all runs to your payroll. You can sync to QuickBooks. It all works, works well. You just have a little bit less variability in what you can do. So it depends on the path. If you're going to outsource bookkeeper or you're going to keep it all in house and you want it to run pretty easily. I mean, you mentioned outsource bookkeepers. What's your recommendation for really early stage companies who are, you know, keeping track of every penny they're spending, right? Because they don't have much money. Uh, when do you think about getting an outsource bookkeeper to make sure things are being booked correctly? And managed I, I would recommend an outsource bookkeeper from day one. Um, I also recommend going with a group like SmartBooks or, or, or some other one out there that is not your neighbor because quite often your neighbor will be, you may think they are inexpensive because the thought of going to outsource bookkeeper causes like, you know, you think it's going to be more expensive. Going to someone who has not worked with a startup who does not understand gap is going to, you may run into risks as you go where you're creating your budget and you're actually not understanding your numbers and where your costs are. Right. And so someone who's worked at a startup will help you manage your burn. Um, the other thing I, I personally love about an outsourced bookkeeper for a small company, instead of hiring somebody in-house is you want your financials to run like clockwork. You want them to be in the data room. You don't, you know, when you're selling company, the last thing you ever want somebody to look at is to say, oh, your financials are disorganized. It's just, you want it to be clean and organized. And if you have an outsourced bookkeeper 
or a firm that has multiple people, then you never have to worry about it. If they have turnover, that's their problem. It's not your problem. And so you never need to stress about if that person who's like managing your back office operations of your accounting and making sure your company, your employees are paid, the benefits are paid, the lights are on. Um, you just can pay this other group to do it. I find it super beneficial as you get larger, you know, 80 to 100 people, you definitely want somebody in-house, but somebody that you don't have to stress because that's their problem to stress about it is super helpful. It helps you as, you know, running the company, just keep your eye on the, eye on the ball and work on sales because sales is your number one goal. How much does an outsourced bookkeeper cost? Um, on average, depending, it's all based usually on transactions, how many how many entries you have in a month, but 2,000 a month is a reasonable amount. I mean, if you think about your company and you're gonna pay a neighbor who's not doing as much, um, $1,000 a month, but the stress that that may cause, because it's not gap, is it worth an extra 12,000 if you raise, you know, you know, 500,000 of C capital, what does that really do to your burn? It actually doesn't do that much when you look at it in the long run. What about, um, you know, we talked a little bit about benefits, but let's dive a little bit deeper into comp plans. You know, you mentioned, you know, deciding what kind of company you want to be. How do you find out what market is? And if you're paying above market or below market, especially when it comes to equity, and how do you think about equity early on versus, you know, giving people more equity as the company continues to grow? What are, what are the, some, of the, some of the things that you like to do? Um, it's really important for your employees who are starting out to build, when you're building a company is to get good equity. And that equity is gonna change every single year. You're gonna do a 49A, the strike price is gonna go up. You're gonna head an inflection point, do a round, the strike's gonna go up, strike price is gonna go up. So early on, it's really helpful to set your employees up right because every year that goes on, you, you can't go back and give them less expensive equity. And remember your employees, when they get their stock, they're going to, and you sell a company, they have to buy it, it, they have to exercise it in order to get their return on investment. So it's not like they're getting something that doesn't cost them. So thinking through, okay, when I set up employees, my key wants to give them equity as much as you possibly can early on, because the later amounts matter less. Um, this is important when you're thinking about a comp plan and, and you, want to add, you want to pay slightly below market, because if the equity when you're early is less expensive and it's better for the employees. And remember, giving them more early on doesn't actually, you, you're still vesting. So they're still going to have to vest over it. And if they leave or you terminate them, they have, you know, most damn plans of 90 days to exercise. I mean, it actually doesn't cost you that much. It's not as much of a risk as people get fear that the risk would be per, to giving those employees. But when you think about the return for each employee, that early stock is their first grant that they get when you hire them is the most important grant because that's where they make the most amount of money on. The refresh grants you have or the spot bonus grants that you have later on, they're gonna make less and less money off those. And so it's how you wanna run the company and what you wanna do. There's plenty of companies that don't believe in stock grants and they wanna pay higher, which is fine, but setting it up and being consistent across the board is the most important. And so what are some of the resources you can use to find out how much to give people? Yep, absolutely. So I like, there's a, another Boston company called Comparably. They always have lots of good information on their website. Go to your investors, ask around. I have plenty of comp reports that I always share. Um, your investors should have them. There's lots of VC reports out there. Um, and, and join one of the communities and you can, you can ask sort of any CFO, they all have this information because there's lots of CF, CFO communities where they share information. Um, 
and then join any of the startup groups. People will say, say what it is, but there's pretty, most investors know what each level should likely be. And it's, if you want to be at the high end or low end, you know, if you're, you're hiring a, you know, your first VP, they'll probably want a point if you're a, a series A or below a series A, a seed. And so that is important and you'll probably give them more um, earlier on than you will later. When you get a series B, the stock is worth more and it's less risky. Um, cash becomes a little bit more important to them usually. Um, any other, anything that you, any mistakes you see frequently that you'd like people to know about that you're constantly helping companies correct and, and don't do uh, these things? What are some of the common mistakes you see? Absolutely. Um, the most common mistakes I, I see are actually people who have a bookkeeper that is doing things on a cash basis. And so what happens is you'll end up telling your board, oh, I just closed a contract and I generated 40,000 in revenue this month, when actually that should be amortized out over the life of the contract. And so you're really misleading who your investors are, where you are on a, on a revenue standpoint, because you as the founder may not understand gap um, because your goal is to be the visionary and sell the business and sell, sell make um, generate revenue. And so cleaning that up so it follows in line, which then helps follow in line with what your forecast will be and set the expectations is crit critically important. The other thing I see is a lot of people um, not skimp out on benefits. And what happens is, is it's hard to recover from that. And so every new employee that you're going to join, they're going to say, so what is the benefit plan? And then you're going to have to tell them, well, this is what we offer. And then they'll say, oh, well, my, this other startup company offers X, Y, Z. And so it, it's, it's hard to make those changes to catch up once you already set up, okay, here's my burn. This is what I need to stay under. And I don't want to offer these things to employees. And obviously burn and managing your cash is critically important. Um, but really stepping back and saying, okay, if I offer this or I give the employee this, what does it do? Does it really move it only a needle and if it move it a week? If it only moves it a week, like what's the big picture? You know, that retaining top talent is most important. And so moving things a week isn't going to make a difference. If you're that tight on cash, then there's other issues. Great. Any final thoughts? This has been excellent advice so far. So far. I just wonder if you have any final thoughts for people out there. Um, there's lots of free advice. There's lots of CFOs, COOs that are willing to give you advice and set things up. Like take advantage of it early on. Um, just ask around, set things up from day one. It'll make your life so much easier when every single round that you go that your just back office operations are set up in an order because it gives every investor more confidence and every buyer more confidence that you're doing everything and you're growing successfully. Yeah. And it, you know, it's time people, founders think it's time consuming to set it up properly. What's more really time consuming not. is to unwind what you've done wrong exactly. and then redo it. So just do it uh, from the beginning the right way. Exactly. Great. Great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.